Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 167th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys. Here on what is officially Black Friday, we're going to call it Blue Friday as... uh, we're feeling we're feeling the blues as Tar Heels black and blue Friday. Nah, I like blue Friday better cuz black's on a, a, a is a color of Carolina uh, athletics. As Tar Heel football um did what Tar Heel football does best, which is lose in a big time spot on national television and then simultaneously, almost as less than 5 minutes after Tar Heel football went final, Tar Heel basketball suffered their first loss of the season. They lost in the semifinals of the Phil Knight Invitational to Iowa State. And we are back now to to really walk you through what went wrong uh, and, and, and talk about the loss. And uh, as I mentioned, this was the first time Carolina lost in this season. But, I mean, let's just be quite honest, guys. They've been playing with this since the, the season opener. I mean, I really outside of James Madison, they they hadn't played well enough in a game to where, you know, you you really came away feeling positive by what you saw. They they were playing with fire all year long, and look in this modern day and age of college basketball, you don't expect teams to go undefeated, and we didn't expect Carolina to go undefeated in the non-conference season. The schedule is just too difficult. Um, and it's a good job by Hubert Davis to challenge his team. And, you know, the thing we knew about this weekend was we were going to learn a lot about this team. And we learned a lot about them today. We learned a lot about them in the last four minutes. Uh, Carolina built a 60-53 to lead. You felt really positive going into the final four minutes that given what you've seen from this team <clears throat> all season long in these situations, they'd close the game out. And today that didn't happen. Iowa State outscored them 17-5 to the rest of the way. All five of Carolina's points uh, came from the foul line, so they didn't even make a field goal within the last four minutes or so in the game. And and, and, and Caleb Grill, 
Um, a guy who looks like Schmidt from New Girl made every tough shot in the world he had to make. Uh, of course, some open looks as well. Jaron Holmes, who entered the the game, the leading scorer for the Cyclones, uh, he added 22. The aforementioned Grill scored 31. And those two guys powered Iowa State's offense just enough. And Carolina uh, came up came up a little bit short today in a loss that we knew was coming at some point, but that doesn't lessen the the frustrations we're feeling after this one. Yeah, it was just one of those classic games for Carolina that it feels like you see every year, every other year, where they they play a guy, uh, you know, really it's a guy, and in this game it was two guys. But, I mean, Caleb Grill was a guy that I don't think a lot of people had on their radars coming into this game, and he just went out and went off. And he's a guy that probably you won't hear much from the rest of the year because that's always how it seems to work. But he got hot at the right time. And that the, the frustrating part of this one is that what was the thing that we talked about last night when we were previewing this game? We told you, look, the one area where Carolina has done a really great job in every game so far this year, despite not playing complete games, is they have found a way late in games to make the plays that they needed to. Tonight, it felt like that, you know, they looked apart the majority of the way. Because I think we all thought this was going to be a tough game. We didn't think yeah. Carolina would blow them out. This was probably up until that final stretch probably the most complete game you'd played all year because of the opponent that you were playing. And when it mattered the most, you you couldn't find a way to stop him. And on the offensive end of the floor, Carolina wasn't able to match them. They made some mistakes late. The turnover was huge. And it, that that's the thing that I think just leaves you feeling a little dejected about this loss. Let's take a look at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And this is a box score that, for outside of a couple areas, it was one that would lead you to believe that Carolina would have won the ball game. Um, both teams shot 44% from the field. Carolina was 22 of 50. Iowa, uh, Iowa State was 25 of 57. One of the biggest disparities, Carolina 3 of 18 behind the three-point line. That's just 17%. The shooting woes from outside continue. Meanwhile, Iowa State was 9 of 20 for 45%. Carolina did leave more points at the foul line. They were 18 of 25. Uh, so they've now missed 17 free throws in the first two games of the Phil Knight Invitational. Uh, Iowa State was 11 of 15. Carolina committed 14 turnovers, which Iowa State turned into 21 points. Meanwhile, Iowa State committed just 10 turnovers, and Carolina only manufactured six points off of those. Carolina did win the rebounding margin 36-29. to They did limit Iowa State to just 10 offensive rebounds. Remember, the Cyclones enter this game the fourth-best team in the country in offensive rebounding. Um, Second-chance points favor the Tar Heels 14-6. Bench points went the way of Iowa State, but only 13-12, to so not the disparity that there was. Yesterday, points in the paint, 28-26 Carolina. Fast break points, 18-14 Carolina. Both teams with two blocks. Uh, Iowa State with eight steals. Carolina with seven. Uh, Iowa State with 17 assists. Carolina with just 12. And uh, the, the, the game was tied eight different times. There were four different lead changes 
All in all, Carolina did lead for 25 minutes and 19 seconds, but they didn't lead when they when 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 it mattered the most. Let's transition to the quote of the game from Hubert Davis, and um, you know, this is where maturity on on my part, first as a fan. And then as a podcast host, this would probably be a game last year where I'd have been mad at Hubert, and I would have been mad at the way he handled the loss. But he handled this the exact way because it was it was evident he wasn't happy with his team. He coached them as hard as he's coached them all season long, and it was there was visible frustration on his face in the first half and into the second half. And with Carolina not closing the game out, he was asked about, you know, what was it like with given all that experience to not be able to close yet another game out? And he said, quote, just because you're experienced doesn't mean that you're perfect. You can have all the experience in the world. I'm 52 year I'm 52 years old and I have 52 years of experience and I make mistake and I make mistakes every day. And so I don't know of ex- well, oh, if, if experience makes you oblivious to being able to make mistakes on both ends of the floor. I wish we would have handled it differently, but we didn't. And so the next time we're in that situation, my hope is that we'll handle it differently. And, you know, we, we've really talked a lot about this year. While this is a different set of circumstances for the players, the same is said for Hubert Davis because a lot are being asked of his guys. And he's got to be the guy to help these players achieve not only their goals and dreams, but our goals and dreams. We want just as bad as they want to win an ACC regular season title, to win an ACC tournament, to make a Final Four, to win a national championship. And a lot of that, you know, we know that Hubert is a very positive, uplifting guy. How would he handle having the target on his back? And I think it's evident from his standpoint, he's not backing down from the fight, the challenge, the weight of the expectations. And it appears that the frustration that has set in with him in only six games is that his players aren't meeting this, the challenge and the, and the fight with the same level of intensity that he is. And I think that's something that I think we just thought coming into the season – Given the last times we had two quote unquote redeem teams, 2009, um, after the, the the 2008 Final Four embarrassment, and then in 2017 after you lost to Natty in 2016, those teams were driven, those teams were hungry and motivated. I think he thought he was going to get that from the jump with his squad, and through six games, it's evident this team lacks uh, a hunger, a desire. I'll I'll call it competitive character to compete for 40 minutes and play at the highest level, and that's something that he feels like he shouldn't have to ask them to do given they're playing basketball at the most prestigious program in the country. Well, the other thing is is that as you you said, and I think we heard him in the offseason say, I'm going to coach this team differently than I coached last year's team. Mm -hmm. Last year's team was my first year. There wasn't a lot of expectation around the program. This year's team, their goal, as they said themselves, was to come back and avenge what happened last year. They said they were a box out away from a national title. Well, he was going to coach them like they were a box out away from a national title. And that demands excellence. You're talking about, look, 
not that you have to go 40 and 0, but you are coached basically that way. It's a much different feel. So the players themselves brought this upon themselves. This level of high expectation, this level of near perfection for the entire season. And you know, so far, yeah, it seemed like a team that has come out and just I think thought things were going to be a little bit easier. I think to a certain extent thought that they were going to just automatically pick back up where they left off a year ago when, one, you just don't do that because it's a new season, you had all that time off, and two, because you don't have the same team that you had a year ago. I still think that this team, to a certain extent, really just thinks that how the the plan is for them to do exactly what they did a year ago. And look, the plan last year worked. It got you to the national championship game. And look, you had a chance to win a title. There is no doubt about that. I think it, that one or two things are done differently. Carolina is cutting down the nets. But I also think that That is a game plan that is far from a guarantee to work again. There were so many different things that had to go right. And I think this team needs to realize that. Did they play horribly today? No. They had a chance to win this game. And this was one of the better games they've probably played so far this season. But it it wasn't complete enough for Carolina to win this game because they did not close the way that they needed to. And so, yeah, Hubert Davis is going to be disappointed. And the other part of it is is that, look, this is a tough game, no doubt about it. This this team that you played tonight was one of the better defensive teams in the entire country, and it looks like that is something that could be sustainable moving forward. They are a very well-coached team that will probably make the NCAA tournament. But the issue for Carolina is you still have a lot of teams on your schedule that are going to be better than this team that you played tonight. So you have to come out and play the basketball that we know that this team is capable of playing. I I thought, you know, there were moments tonight where you just saw a team that couldn't execute when... The, the opportunity was there. And they've got to figure out, especially, I mean, free throw line, that's an area that they've got to get a lot better at. And I thought down the stretch of the game, they did not take good enough shots to be able to ultimately close out this Iowa State team. Let's take a look at the stat of the game, and it's, it's three-point shooting. Carolina, just 17%. They were 3 of 18 from behind the arc. Love and Davis were both 1 of 7 from deep. Pete Nance was 1 of 3 from deep. Iowa State, meanwhile, they were 45% 9 of 20. I mentioned Caleb Grill, 31 points, a 7 of 11 three-point shooting. Entering entering tonight's game, he was 4 of 24 from behind the three-point line on the season and was just six of his last 22 overall from the field. So, there you go. You know, just, just living up to that, 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 that year-long tradition, it feels like, that a guy 
um, that comes out of seemingly nowhere, has the game of his life, and it usually buries Carolina in the end. And that's effectively what happened in this one. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's first loss of the season. Back right after this on the Four Corners podcast, after this message from DraftKings. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Buddy, let's let's pick right back up with the three-point defense. Um, because Carolina gave up 9 of 20, uh, and that's 45%. The thing that I think that really stood out to me was that it was very evident, I thought, that Iowa State looked at that Portland tape. And and they really hammered out how to how, how to screen Carolina, because it was a lot of, of of what you saw yesterday with pin down screens, which basically means they're screening down below the free throw line, or the elevator screens, um, which happen in the middle of the free throw line, and then their dribble handoffs weren't weren't just they they were they were they were handing the ball off, and then they were screening the screener. And it just gave Carolina, I mean, a lot, a lot of fits. And first off, you got to credit TJ Otzelberger, who is one of, if not the best young coaches in college basketball. Even though he wears a shirt two sizes too small to make him look, you know, a lot more ripped than in reality he is. Um, I thought he, oh, wow, I, 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 I thought he outcoached Hubert Davis in a lot of different areas today, and I think that's something that. You gave up 38% yesterday to Portland, 
45% in this one. Carolina entered this event giving up just 29% from behind the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Those numbers haven't really carried over into Portland, and it, it feels like now that you're seeing tougher competition, you're seeing coaches with more talent, better scouting, they're really learning how to attack Carolina's defense, and this was the same problem this team had last year where – Armando Baycott just clearly isn't comfortable guarding on the perimeter. Pete Nance uh, is still thinking and not playing like Brady Manick did this time a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so he's getting exposed on the perimeter. And it's just leaving quality shooters open. And, and Carolina's defense is is just, you know, they're getting broken down off the dribble, open shooter getting screened, and it was just three-point bucket, three-point bucket, and it's a big reason why Iowa State pulled the upset today. Well, I think one of the things that we saw early last year that we got so frustrated with was there was too much switching from Carolina at times last year. This year, I think it's the opposite of that. I don't think there's enough switching, especially there. They the last two opponents have made it a focus to screen the hell out of Leaky Black. Yep. And Carolina just, they do not switch ever. He has to fight. And look, you could say whatever you want about fight over the screen. It's just it's just the fact that they are doing a great job of screening him. And at times, you need to say, hey, we got to switch here. Carolina is so focused on, we have to keep Leaky on their best player. We have to keep Leaky on their best player. I get that. But at the same time, you have, if, if, He's having to go under screens, or if he's having to go over them to the point where he's taking himself out of position, then you have to switch. Don't be afraid to switch these screens because I thought there were a couple of times. There was one later in the game where Grill literally just go. He takes the the handoff. Leaky gets screened and he moves back to his right. It would have been simple for Armando to step up and close out on him. Would have made it a tough shot. Instead, Armando decides to stay there because Leakey tries to fight under the screen and it gives just enough space for him to make a shot. That's the part that's been frustrating for me. And, you know, Carolina, to to their credit last year, they made the adjustments eventually. It it was really this time a year ago where Carolina was struggling really bad defensively in their Feast Week tournament. This one... You know, hopefully this is this is something that Carolina can learn from because I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to see tomorrow. You're going to see the same type of screens that we have seen these first two games because I thought Otzelberger did a great job. Clearly he watched yesterday's game. You're there for these tournaments. A lot of the times they will show the coaches sitting there watching, trying to get some intel. He probably watched that and said, "Look, we can do we can do that exact same thing." And I think you're you're probably going to see a lot of that with whichever team ends up losing the game that's currently on between UConn and Alabama. On the flip side, Carolina just three of eighteen from deep. I mentioned before we went to break, Love and Davis both one of seven. Of course, that factors out or combines to two of fourteen. It's obvious that they're pressing because they're trying to shoot their way out of it. And it's really hard to complain about that because from that aggressive mindset, that's the only way they're going to get on track. 
A lot of people are wondering what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Why is Carolina's perimeter shooting as poor as it's been? And it's because that's where they miss Brady Manick right now the most. And the reason why I say that is because when Brady Manick was on the floor, you know, you had three capable three-point shooters, three quality three-point shooters that could get hot at any single moment. Now you have two. Pete Nance is a guy that is going to take spot up three pointers you're not running action for him to get him open on the perimeter uh we saw armando baycott take one yesterday against portland that was enough for this season leaky black has made big three pointers but he doesn't need to hunt them he, he's not seeking them because he's being very smart on that end of the court and this is where Carolina's lack of depth off the bench is really hurting them because we really anticipated Tyler Nickel being a guy that could come off the bench and could provide some bench scoring or DeMarco Dunn. Um, that's not happening right now. Puff Johnson scored eight off the bench but didn't make a three-pointer. And so it's making these teams – it's making it easier on these teams on the perimeter to clamp down. Uh, you've seen every time that whenever Carolina initiates a, a ball screen, teams just – blitz it as opposed to, to you know, they're, that way they're, they're doubling the ball handler. They're not worried about Baycott rolling to the rim. Well, now with that, with that not happening, now that three-point shot is not there for the taking. And so I think that's something where Hubert Davis has got to figure out a way to to get his guys. They got quality looks tonight and didn't make them, but more quality looks. But what could really turn the tide is if you could get somebody else to step up and make some three-pointers. Coming into the game, we talked about how important it was for Carolina to not turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. We knew this game was, you know, was most likely going to be a low-possession game because the Tar Heels have yet to impose their will. And look, a lot of this wasn't even their fault that this game was played in the half court. There were 42 fouls called in this game combined. This game had no rhythm. This game had no flow. Yet Carolina still committed 14 turnovers, and Iowa State turned those into 21 points. This was a team that entered the game offensively in the – you know the the lower third and major offensive categories. This was the best defensive team Carolina had played all season long in terms of points per game, defensive rating, and a lot of different metrics. Their offense though wasn't anything spectacular, but you convert or you commit fourteen turnovers, they turn those into twenty one points. They get fourteen fast break points. Those are the type of things we said that could not happen or could be a recipe for an upset. And the biggest issue is 13 of the 14 turnovers were committed by starters, including five by Armando Baycott. We stressed after Portland, you got to be stronger with the ball. You're going to get double teamed. That didn't happen. And then R.J. Davis and Leaky Black also really struggled with the level of physicality they were exposed to from Iowa State's guards. And so I think that's something where when Hubert Davis is getting frustrated is that it's not the young guys making the boneheaded mistakes. It's the guys that you expect to be the leaders of this team. And today they hurt Carolinas in a a lot of different ways today. Again, it looks exactly like early last year. We had this same issue with some of the starters last year trying to force things early in the season, force passes that aren't there. The frustrating part with this is, look, first three games of the year, that wasn't really your issue. Game against James Madison wasn't really an issue. That was the most complete game that you played all season. We've said that multiple times. 
But these last the, the game, the other yesterday against Portland, and this game in particular, Carolina had big turnovers, and again, most of the turnovers are live turno- live ball turnovers. It leads to fast breaks, and it, you, you, in this one, more than any other game this season, it allowed Iowa State to, you know, to, to hurt Carolina. I mean, 21 points off of turnovers, that's going to make a huge difference. So... And and again, it was it was late in the game. Carolina was turning the ball over. It was early in the game. Carolina turned the ball over. That set the tone. It, it's it's just frustrating that this continues to be an issue. And you're right, guy like Armando Bacai, you just have to be stronger with the ball. You have to be smarter with some of the passes that you're making. Carolina is still trying to split a lot of these double teams, and it doesn't work with the way, especially against a team like Iowa State, that was as good as they were defensively. You saw, you know, Caleb try to split a double team, get stripped. That's the thing that Carolina has to be better at. If you're going to turn the ball over, that's one thing. But to continue to turn the ball over, all pretty much all of them being live ball turnovers, that is what is killing this team more than anything. It was a problem last year, and they got it under control. But that's the thing that's so frustrating is all of these issues, we've seen these before, but it doesn't feel like Carolina learned from a year ago. It feels like they are repeating the same mistakes that they made a year ago early in the year when we thought this team would have learned from that and looked like a much different team. Carolina did win the rebounding margin 36 to 29. They kept Iowa State off the offensive glass. They entered the game the fourth best offensive rebounding team in the country, averaging nearly 17 per game. Carolina only allowed 10. So I do feel like after getting out rebounded the first couple games, this this part of the game they have they have cleaned up. And now this kind of leads us to, I guess, a general question of where does this team go from here? Because this is now the first time this team is going to face adversity. They're they're going to play a, a really tough opponent on Sunday afternoon. Um, we will we will know that in roughly you know 30, 40 minutes of, of recording time. Uh, they're they're going to face a ranked opponent. They then have to after they leave Portland, they're going to Bloomington, Indiana, to face what's turned what is a very good Indiana team. And then next Sunday, they're on the road in ACC play. It's not going to get any easier for this team moving forward. And it's you know I, I think what we're all hoping eternally internally is that th- this this weight and this burden is lifted. This team will not be ranked number one in the country, and nor should they. Even if they won this tournament, you were going to have a really hard time justifying this team being ranked number one because they haven't looked like the best team in the country through the first week of the college basketball season. Yep. I think what we're hoping for is that this allows this team to find a way to get a chip on its shoulder, to get motivated, to play with that same hunger and desire we saw at the end of last year. Because, like, last year, we didn't know if it existed. We didn't know if this team had a had a care. Like, this team had a care factor last year. I don't think this team doesn't care. 
I just think they're having a really hard time adjusting to being expected to do big-time things. And, and so I think, you know, this is the best part about this time of the year is that this allows you to learn a lot about who you are and what you're made of. And I think, you know, the next week will give us a chance to learn a lot about this Carolina team and the way they handle their first their first dose of adversity and how they respond to it. I mean, look, I what I said this to you a couple weeks ago. Really, I think it was after the Gardner-Webb game. I said one of the best things that could happen to this team is to lose a game, to take the pressure off of them. And here's the thing. You avoided having a terrible loss on your schedule. Iowa State's not a terrible loss. Nope, they're a quality basketball they're, team. They're, we I, Sitting here right now, they're making the tournament, right? We think that. You would think playing? so. So, okay. So you've lost. It wasn't to a bad team. I think ultimately that's that's probably the way that you have to look at it. And, I mean, look, I, I don't think that people on the team should have been thinking that. And, yeah, it would have been great to continue to win this and eventually figure it out while still being undefeated. But this may be what kind of resets things for this group. I told you, first three games of the year, I thought this was a team that looked scared to lose. Mm-hmm. They looked like a team that did not want to prove people right that they were not the number one team in the country. I think maybe now they will realize that, look, it doesn't matter if you're the number one team in the country. Be- the rankings in college basketball mean absolutely nothing. They are all for conversation. That's all they are for. The only thing that matters is that number that is beside your name when they reveal that bracket in March. Only thing that matters. Because, I mean, look, it's nice to be ranked inside of the top 10 all season long. It, it, it's it's nice to appear, you know, when they, they release the, what do they even call those? The initial... Rankings. I don't even know what they call those the 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 seedings that they release around you know middle of conference season, where they you know release the top sixteen teams in the country. It's nice to appear on that, but as we saw last year, it's not everything. Things can change. This Carolina team has to realize that the number beside your name, especially right now, does not mean anything. You have to just play your game. And look, you have put it upon yourself that our expectations are to win a national championship game this year. So you are going to be coached differently than you were coached a year ago. I wonder if that's part of it. Are these guys struggling to the different way that Hubert Davis is coaching them? Because last year, it was a different approach because there wasn't a ton that was expected out of them. It was a team that... You know what was was probably coached a, a a little bit less strictly because they were a team that was still building mm-hmm. and the run was unexpected. So maybe they're struggling with that. But th- this is a team that now hopefully this will refocus them and make them realize again what what, what I told you when we were previewing the game last night, or really I think it was when we were recapping the Portland game during that portion. You are going to get every team's best game because teams are looking at you the way that they should always look at Tar Heel basketball. 
This is one of, if not the best program in the entire country. So maybe this will make them realize that, that Iowa State came out and played one of their best games of the entire season against you, probably because of who you were on the other side. And a lot of other teams are going to do the same thing. So you've got to be prepared to play for the rest of the season, every single game. There's no nights off, no matter who you're playing. That's the thing that I hope this loss shows them. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is right now for, for Carolina, they just need more from Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Armando Baycott. You had the Iron Five last year. We kind of named them the core four with everyone that came back, but Carolina's three best players are Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Armando Baycott. Armando's maybe your best player. RJ is your heart and soul. And Caleb Love is the guy that is the one guy on your roster that can take over the game with the flip of the switch. They all three scored in double figures tonight, but they combined to shoot just 41% from the floor collectively and commit nine turn or, or commit 10 turnovers. So Carolina needs more from them. And I, I do think for all three of them, they have played tight. They have played timid and um you know i think for a guy like rj davis who's a small scrappy guard this will get a chip on his shoulder the way he got kind of beat up tonight because he use your response to this caleb love's got to be the caleb love that he was in march that 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 guy that can take the game over but do so in a collective way or or in a smart way right now he's forcing to take the game over simply for amando baycott 13 points nine boards five of six from the field. Tonight was, I thought, the toughest he's played all season long, but he wasn't demanding the basketball. And I think that's somewhere something where he's got to be able to look at RJ and Caleb and say, I'm the best player. When the offense goes through me, good things happen. And, I mean, I think Hubert Davis will be in their ears and the staff will make the adjustments. But, you know, Mac Brown tells us all the time that the best teams are player-led teams. I think Carolina has the right group of guys to be a really great basketball team. I think there's enough – there's definitely enough talent. There's enough experience. And there's the right kind of leadership here. But, you know, we're about to see really what these guys are made of. And, you know, they, they, they talked a lot all summer. You know, they they talked about coming back and winning a national championship. And, you know, now they've got to start kind of backing up all that talk. And they'll have a good chance on on Sunday to to bounce back and respond. Because I think if they come out of this thing two out of three and you, you get your really first signature win while suffering your first loss of the season, you know, you'll still go to Indiana and that, that, that first ACC game still liking the way this thing is trending. If not, then, you know, we'll have to probably have some more honest, tougher conversations. And, you know, if that if, if that's the case, we'll be here ready and able to do so. So that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We do encourage you guys to to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com. It may be a sad day overall with both our Tar Heel teams in action losing, but we got you covered regardless. Check out the recap from the loss to Iowa State. I'll be then getting you ready for either Carolina and Alabama or Carolina and UConn on Sunday afternoon. As for the football side of things, check out Anthony's recap of the loss to NC State. There will be no Ashton's analysis this week. He is on vacation. There will be a stock report. 
Hoping to get a trench report up for you guys as well as the Tar Heel football regular season has come to a close. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. We're noticing some new reviews on there, so we are grateful and thankful for those. But most importantly, guys, we do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any additions of the show throughout the the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.